Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. It's good to see all of you. Really grateful you're here. Are you grateful you're here? I hope so. Otherwise, somebody dragged you here, and you know, maybe God's going to do something in you anyway, even if that's you, if you're joining with us online, we're really glad that you are making time in your day to spend time with us. Um, it was a nice, sunny summer day. Can we just take a minute and bask in all the glory that that is? It was on that day that I experienced probably, uh, at least at the time, the best, most fun day I'd ever had in my life up to that point. We had uh, packed up uh, some dirt bikes and some four-wheelers, and we went down south of here to Haspen Acres. Anybody been to Haspen Acres? Nobody. Oh, a couple people. Okay, cool. We should all go. It'd be fun. Uh, like a church-wide group to Haspen Acres. Here's what Haspen Acres is. It's a place to bring your off-roading vehicles and to have some fun, to tear up the mud and, and, and the dirt and have a ton of fun. There is a hospital in the town that is only kept in business because of Haspen Acres, but, you know, wear a helmet and you might be okay. You might. Uh, so we went down and, and uh, I had a dirt bike I was riding and, and they have like a, a track and they also have trails and a bunch of open space. And while we were in the trails, uh, me and, and some of the people I was with, family and uh, family friends, we were we were riding and I was tearing it up and uh, we were kind of like up on a hill and down in the valley, uh, some people bring their Jeeps to Haspen Acres. And this particular person was in his Jeep in the mud, and he wasn't moving. See, he had gotten stuck, and, and you know, the, the I don't know, 11, 12-year-old person I was, I was like, uh-huh, sucks for you, you know, and I kept on riding by. Uh, but in that moment, like, he was stuck, stuck. Like, there were other guys uh, getting their, in their four-wheel Jeeps or trucks and trying to get him out, and it just didn't seem like it was happening. Um, have you ever been stuck in life? Y'all know I was going somewhere with that, right? Sometimes we find ourselves stuck in a rut in life, and it's not fun. Because every time we, we like, mash the gas, we just get deeper and deeper in the mud, and we seem to just be spinning our wheels, not going anywhere. Uh, Some of us, we find ourselves in those places. Some of us are in that space right here and now, in this season. Um, some of us, just because it's it's dark, it's gloomy, it's not a sunny summer day, it just puts us in a funk, right? Like just it feels like we're in the, the rut of life and it just kind of takes over. It's cold, it's bitter, and it, that's just how it feels. Others of us, we look at our life and we, we think like, oh, I just wish things were different. We look at our circumstances, we just like, I, I wish things were different. We look at our, our uh, relationships, we just wish things we're different. We look at our, ourself. We look ourselves in the mirror and like we just, that we look at ourselves and we wish there were some things about us that were different. And we just find ourselves sometimes in a rut, just wondering, God, where are you in all of this? Um, and, and maybe if you find yourself in that space, then what we're going to talk about today is uh, what I think something that we can all focus on in 2020. That if we get this right, then it may not mean that you are stuck in a rut less. It just may mean that you're more aware of who's with you in that. 
Um, but if we can, if we can get this right, this one thing that we're going to talk about today, then I believe that if we look back at our life a year from now and we look back, we'll see that God did some exponentially positive things in our life. That it may not make your circumstances 100% better, but it'll make you better through it. And if we get this wrong though, if we get this wrong, we don't focus on this this year, then Odds are it'll lead to an exponentially more negative place for us in our walk with God and just in life in general. Um, so if, if you are interested in, in seeing how we can uh, thrive in our life, then I encourage you to go open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. One little side goal could be bring something to access the Scriptures in every single week. Because when you get into this thing uh, and you're able to look at it while I'm talking... And your head's down and you're, you're just looking at it, checking, making sure I'm not saying something completely crazy. Um, it, it does something. God's speaking to you. So I'd encourage you to start bringing that with you. If you don't have a Bible, let us know in the Welcome Center. We'll get you a Bible if you don't have one. Uh, you can also download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone just a way to access scriptures because it's not going to be on the screen for very long. Okay, So if you're at home, get something, get a Bible, go. You know, if it's been sitting there for a little bit, it's fine. It all reads the same. It's good. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. This is what Paul says to the church in Philippi. He says this, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Wouldn't it be nice to have somebody like that praying for you? Right? You see what he said? I give thanks to my God every in every remembrance of you, always praying for you with joy. That's that's somebody you want in your prayer corner, right? This is what he says. With joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart. And you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer um, because of your partnership in the gospel. Paul, when he thinks back to the church in Philippi, uh, recording the scripture, we know of at least two times he was there to start the church uh, with with Lydia and a bunch of women around the the, the river, around the stream. Uh, he he met, met them and talked to them and spoke to them about Jesus, and they started a church. And out of that, it grew, and more people came to know who Jesus was through the gathering of what they were doing and them following Jesus that was a testimony to the people around them in a very uh, in, an, in an environment that was very hostile to following Jesus. Very, very a lot of different uh, promiscuousness, sensuality, things of the world that uh, that that would make us squirm, would make people who never spent a day in church squirm. And in the midst of that, they are following Jesus. And Paul remembers them. And when he remembers them, he thanks God for them because of their partnership in the gospel. 
there's something different like when you experience something alongside of other people that it was a big, important endeavor that you took on. Maybe it was at work. Maybe it was with church. Maybe you went on a mission trip. Maybe you did something that you had other people around you and they were working with you, rowing in the same direction, and you were accomplishing something meaningful. There's a camaraderie that is built out of that, right? Like, uh, we, we experience that in sports teams. We experience that, uh, we can in work. We, we experience that hopefully in the church. We experience that when we go and we serve other people, that camaraderie. And for those of you who have been through that, you know the bond that is created when you partner with someone in a very important, meaningful thing. And Paul, when he was remembering the church in Philippi, he was remembering their willingness to not just hear the gospel and say, yes, that sounds good for me. I want to, I want to be a part of that. But they saw that this was something far more than just important for them individually. That they could see that this was worth them giving their life to and making sure everyone around them knew about Jesus. They were partners in the gospel, and I pray that we can become partners in the gospel as well. That we would be the people who, we, we, we live faithful lives following Jesus, and that faithfulness, that, that fruit of the Spirit coming out of us because we are surrendered to Jesus, the Holy Spirit's indwelling us, bringing about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. As we live our lives and we're around other people who may not know what that's like, they will start to see that something different is available and we will be willing to share our story with them of how Jesus has transformed our lives. I hope and pray that we are living those kinds of lives and willing to be obedient to Jesus as we live our lives and we are practicing these kinds of things, following after him, being obedient to him, and then opening our lives to other people. I hope and pray that we could be those kinds of people that if Paul was among us, that he would, and he was writing a letter to the First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana, that this is the same kind of thing that he would say about us. There's this camaraderie that's built when we are committed to a mission alongside of other people. Uh, there's, there's a verse in here that if you find yourself in a rut, if you find yourself as if you are trudging through mud and you feel like, uh, God, where are you? Uh, I don't feel like you're close. What's going on? You feel like you are in the season of winter in your walk, in your, in your life, not just seasonally in the, in the, in the weather, but that's kind of how your soul feels, cold and bitter and just kind of not excited. Then this, this is something to cling to. Philippians 1, verse 6. You, you may want to write this down. Send a text to yourself. Uh, remember this. I am sure of this, Paul says to the church in Philippi, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What is he saying? He said, hey, God started something in your life. He sowed a seed of the gospel. Someone, somehow you heard about Jesus. 
And that work started. That went into your heart, and hopefully it's growing, and God started a work in you. Maybe it was 10 years ago, 30 years ago. Maybe it was 10 months ago. Whatever it is for you, uh, understand that what God started in your life, He's going to see it all the way through, because He is always working. And if you're still breathing, He's still working in you. Even when you're in the midst of the mud. even See, we need to remember um, that... When we are stuck in a rut, it does not necessarily mean that we were being unfaithful to God. You have to understand, we, we live in America where uh, the ideal situation is up and to the right. We're doing great, we're happy, we're the pursuit of happiness. Uh, we're, we're making more money this year than we were last year. We've got more fun stuff, we're going on more experiences, we feel more happy, and, and life is just good. It's the American dream. And let me just say, let me just uh, may help you understand that that's not a biblical kind of thing. There will be times, and many of you already know this, there will be times in life where life feels like the winter does. Sometimes it feels cold. Sometimes it feels bitter. Sometimes it does not feel very fruitful. Sometimes your life feels like those barren trees must feel out in the cold. The wind, the snow, the climate, the stuff that just doesn't feel good. And, and, and just understand this. Like If you are there now, um, where, where I've been lately devotionally in Scripture is in the Psalms. I've just been walking through them real, real slow. And if you've ever been someone who's asked, God, why? Why? Where are you? Have you ever been there? Just show of hands. You ever ask God, why? Where are you, God? This wasn't what I expected. This wasn't on my goal list for 2021. wasn't on my goal list for 2020. was... Maybe we're already there. 2022 wasn't on my goal list. Why am I dealing with this? Uh, the Psalms give us language to experiencing life like that. Which, by the way, is just real life. None of us are going to get out of this thing alive. Yeah. It's that tough. It's that hard. It can be that brutal sometimes. This life will beat you down. And sometimes when we're in the rut, we need to remember that this is not necessarily just because, this is not, this is not because we were unfaithful. Maybe you are in a space because you were being unfaithful to the Lord and you did some dumb things, you made some dumb choices, and now you're sitting in the mess that you made. That's, that's completely possible. But, just because you're dealing with some difficulty, that does not necessarily mean that you are being unfaithful. God's not mad at you just because you find yourself where you are right now. Through Jesus, you, you, are, you are beloved, a beloved child of his. So David, you know, oftentimes he's like starting his psalms, which are prayers. Uh, he's like, God, hey, where, where, are you at? where are you at, man? Like, it seems like you aren't, you aren't here. I made the appointment. I'm here. You're running late. Where are you? I, I don't get it. And he gets frustrated with God because for some reason in this moment, in this life, whatever it is, like he was a king and, and, and he, you know, people wanted to kill him all the time. He felt like he had all kinds of enemies because he did. And, and he was like, talk about your life. I mean, his life, it was life and death every day. And he's like, God, where are you at, man? Like for real. And, and I think we need to remember that, um, when God seems far away and we start asking the question, God, where are you? These are some of the moments that God may allow us to go through so that we can draw near to Him. 
Because if everything's up and to the right, if, if you're on the highway of life, not the highway to hell, but the highway of life, maybe the highway of hell, whatever, uh, the road is narrow that leads to life, whatever, um, you know, go, go the back way is what he's saying. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but if you find yourself in a rough spot right now, that may just be God allowing you some space to remember what's most important. To, to, to draw near to him because he seems far away. God's not far away. It's just our perception of it. And it's so funny how the Psalms will work because, you know, a lot of it's David and it just seems like he doesn't get it. And because like, you know, a lot of us, we just, we find ourselves where we are because we're like, we don't get it, right? In the moment, we're like, God, where are you? And they're like, and, and then David by the end is like, oh yeah, I, I can trust you because you've been faithful this whole time. Uh, and that's really like what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's not always going to be hunky-dory happy. There, there will be tough times. There will be moments where you feel like you're in a rut, that you're spinning your wheels. But it's in those moments that God invites you to draw near to him. To let go of all the other things that you find to be important, that you've been hoping in, that you've been trying to go to for acceptance, and to find your home in his embrace. And sometimes he allows us to go through the ruts in life so that we'll draw near to him. I mean, I I think this is so true. Like, if if you're someone you've you've gone through some stuff, some difficult stuff, and you've got some wounds, and you've got some scars, whether they be physical, whether they be mental, whether they be something else, I, I believe those who have been wounded much can be used much. Oh, that sounds good. That was good. <laughs> Distraction, sorry. I want my Trans Am to sound that way. Anyway. <laughs> I need to get soundproof this a little more. <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> Those whom God allows to be wounded much, I think can be used much because we've experienced what it's like to experience the healing power of God. If you've been hurt, if somebody's hurt you, and you've come out of that on the other side, that, that you uh, have seen God's faithfulness through it, man, just that's such a gift that God has allowed you to receive. And I know it sounds weird, um, and maybe if you're in the midst of the hurt and you haven't experienced the healing, that sounds bad. So just 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 go with me here for, just for a second. Um the, the work that God can do in you and through you is so much greater because uh, you've experienced what it's like to hurt and to be hurt by something that or someone uh, and, and, and that should hopefully, if you've learned from it, draw you closer to seeing that Jesus is everything, that he's the one who won't fail you. He's the one who will keep walking with you even though they didn't, even though they abandoned you or whatever the situation is. Um, he's the one who's going to be faithful and it allows you to see that that is so true. That your scars are, are, are signs that God heals. That yes, you've been through some stuff, but God's been with it, with you and he's going to use it to do something. When you see someone else who's in the mud, who are just spinning their wheels, you can come alongside of them and say, hey, I, I know what it's like. It's not fun. Because then you're not given the little cliches and like, oh, it's going to be fine. You know, just have faith. It's like, well, yes, of course. But also people need to understand that, they, that you understand where they're coming from. That you've been there before. And be willing to say, hey, this is, this is how the Lord 
use this in my life. Not to say, hey, it's automatically going to be so fun on the other side, but God can use it. I think the question that I've asked a lot more and more, um, like in the in the rut, in the valley, is what what if what if it's a part of the process? What if it's a part of the process? Like what if this thing that really can we just be honest? It sucks. Whatever it is. Um, what if it's a part of the process of God shaping us into the people He wants us to be? Would it be worth it? Yeah. Is it fun? No. Does it make it easier in the moment? No. But it does give you perspective to be able to keep walking and keep following him through it. Now now we get to the, the point where we've been leading to, and, and that is the thing that we can focus on in 2022. This is what he says in verse 9. This is Paul's prayer for the church in Philippi. I believe it would be his prayer for us. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing Let's just say that together. Growing. One, two, three. Growing. That your love would keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I pray this, that your your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. Your love. Uh, the CSB, Christian Standard Bible, which is what I'm reading from, uh, doesn't emphasize it as much as some other translations do with, with how the Greek is kind of structured. Um, other translations, if you're reading one of these, it may say, uh, I pray this, that your love may abound more and more. Your love may abound. It may grow more and more. It's, it's like not just grow some, but grow a lot. That your love would grow. And the, and the Greek word for love is agape. And that idea of love is, is sacrificial, self-giving kind of love. Um, and, and y'all, when we're in the rut of life and when we're experiencing pain, it can be really hard for us to love like God would want us to love. Why? Because when you experience pain, what do you do? You, you kind of draw inward, right? Like you, you're very much aware of what's going on inside of you. You're very much aware that this is unpleasant. And that can cause us to be less focused on the other and more focused on ourselves. And when we are more focused on ourselves, and we're not focused on how uh, our lives are influencing other people's lives, then we are uh, going down a path that is unloving. And I speak about this from experience. That it's easy for us when we are experiencing pain to not love well. And I would just encourage you to, to see how much God has loved you. And to let your love flow from the love of God that's coming down in you. And allow that to flow through you in your life. So God uh, wants us to grow our capacity to love. To love sacrificially, to love as if we are focused on the other, not just as a transactional kind of thing, because that's not love. If you're only doing it so that you can get something from it, then, then that's not love, y'all. That's, that's transactional manipulation. That's not love. 
And so he wants us to have a Christ-like love. But then he, he qualifies this a little bit. He says, I want your love to, to abound more and more, to grow in knowledge and every kind of discernment. Did you see what he said? I, I, I want your love, I pray this, that your love would grow more and more, or your love would abound more and more in knowledge and every kind of discernment. So, okay, just a little, another little Greek lesson. There are two uh, primary words for knowledge, to know something in Greek. One's more information kind of thing. Like, like you go to school, right, guys? You go to school, and they tell you some stuff, and you're supposed to remember the stuff because you got a test and all that stuff. Y'all remember in the back. Y'all remember that? Yeah. You forgot it all, right? I mean, some things. And then you just Google it, you know. Um, but that's, the, that's one kind of knowledge, just to know about something. You know the dates, you know the things, you know the details, you just know about it. Another w- form of knowledge, another word for knowledge, is the idea of experiential knowledge. Knowledge that can only come from experience, from, from living it. It's a living, breathing knowledge. Um, and so, like, it's the distinction when we talked about for the, the first week of, like, the, the two types of knowledge, like knowing about something and knowing something, right? It's like knowing about God versus knowing God. Like, you can, have, how many of us have, have met someone, have been around someone who it was clear they knew some stuff about the Bible? However, as they are quoting the Bible to you, they are doing it in a very unchristlike way. Have you ever met someone who knew the Bible a lot but didn't live it very well? You can show a hand. That's fine. Nobody. Okay, well, good for you. Wow. I know y'all have. That's not the kind of person that God's calling us to be, and that's what Paul is trying to say. I want you to know God. Know who He is. Know what He is like. God is love. So if you know God, then you will be a loving person. John goes as far to say, if you don't love, then you clearly don't know God. If you don't love, then you don't know Him. Because if you knew Him, you would be overwhelmed by the fact that He loves you and you know everything about you and He knows everything about you and yet He still loves you and went to the cross for your sin so that you can experience life. (laughs) That's different. That allows us to flow in a loving way to other people because even in the moment when we are hurt, when someone hurts us, eventually we go back to the fact that God loves you even when you were an enemy of his. Not just, not just being, you know, unpleasant, but you were an enemy of his. And because of Jesus, you've been brought into the family of God, adopted as a son or daughter. And so he wants us to have our love be shaped by the knowledge of God. So our love would look like the love of God. Because uh, there are all kinds of ways that our culture says to love people. Uh, some ways are just, just, it's just lust. And, and some relationships are founded upon lust. And so as soon as the lust goes away, as soon as it just becomes like whatever, like we get used to each other, just because it wasn't love, it's just like, well, we're done now. We see this. Love is love. Are you sure? Do you know what love is? I won't sing it again. I just always want to. What is love? So he says, grow in knowledge, or grow, grow, grow in love, in knowledge, and every kind of discernment. Every kind of discernment. What is he saying? Uh, he's bringing about the idea of 
a synthesizing of our faith with our life. So, okay, it's, it's one thing to know what God says, right? To, to understand what God's love is like and understand who he is and what he's like. And, and then when it comes down to it, we have choices in life that either lead us down a path that would be good for us, that God would want us to go down, or a path that wouldn't be good for us, that he wouldn't want us to go down. So it's synthesizing the, the idea that Jesus calls us and commands us to love our enemy and synthesizing that to when we are confronted with an enemy, we choose to love them. So we, we, our love grows in knowledge in every kind of discernment. Um, so then we can distinguish between the world's kind of love, which isn't actually love, and what the Word says is love. Uh, you you can you can you can if you were to follow the world's way of love then then you can make a mistake and you can uh love someone in the sense of you always cheer them on you always encourage them you never tell them anything that would maybe be um an inconvenient truth for them but it's something that's true that would help them for their good uh, you're just only saying, you are great, that's awesome, hey, I just want you to be happy, I just want you to be happy, even if that means you're doing some stupid stuff in the process of becoming happy, right? That's, that's like the chief end in life in our culture right now, is to be happy at whatever expense we can make. If it means that we're going to dishonor God and we're going to be happy about it, then, then people celebrate and say, go ahead and do it. That is not loving. When you are confronted with someone who's close to you, who, because they feel a certain way, they do a certain action, and it's not good for them, but you want to be loving, so you want to be nice to them, that's not you being loving. That's you loving your comfort more than you love them, wanting to have them be on a good path in their life. Um. It's like another another aspect of this would be, uh, see, he says he says to do this to love to grow in love and knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ so that you may approve the things that are superior. What is the th- things that are superior? God's will, what God would want, so that you may approve. So if you, your love is growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, then you will be able to approve, to distinguish, to un- identify what God's will is in a given moment, broadly speaking. Like, what is God's will? That you would love him and you would love people. Th- there it is. How that fleshes out, that's, that's some more specifics. He may give you some insight into that. But big picture, that's what it is. And so if your love is growing in, in knowledge and every kind of discernment, then you will be able to approve of those things. However, if you are following the world's way of operation, then you may uh, want to uh, find approval in people. People pleasers, where are y'all at? Some of you are really, you know, you're intrigued to put your hand up because I asked you to, you know. <laughs> uh, people pleasers, like it, it's, it's, it's not good because it can go to a bad place because if we want to, if, if the chief and the most important thing is to receive acceptance by people, then we will do things that are not aligned with God and what he wants for us, that they are not aligned with our convictions. Um, and we will do those things so that we will receive approval from people and we will go down inherently down a path that we shouldn't go. Have you ever felt the pressure to do something you knew was wrong? And you did it anyway because you wanted, you didn't want to be like that person who's just lame. 
We all have. We've all been in moments like that. If we are going to have our love grow in knowledge and every kind of discernment, knowledge of God and every kind of discernment in light of what he says, then we will be more apt to approve of the things that are most superior, to be able to keep the main thing, the main thing. In life, it's so easy for us to get distracted on other stuff. And let's be honest, we want to be around people because people are nice and sometimes, and, and you know, we need human interaction, right? We just need that. God says that, you know, love one another, spur one another on to good works, encourage one another. Like that inherently requires people around you. You know, like the hermit, you know, tendencies of some of us were probably not the best. Like we still need people around us. And he's calling us to love people well. So Sarah and I are, are getting ready to, like in the spring, um, to start gardening again, do a vegetable garden. And what one of the things that we're learning, we're not like professionals in this. Um, we're not, you can call me Farmer Brandon, that would be fun. Um, but <laughs> what, what we found is that a, a plant's health is largely dependent on the quality of the soil like what it grows in, right? Because that's the nutrients, it's where the, the, the plant's going to get what it needs to do the thing that it's designed to do. Just like for us, you know, like if we're always eating Cheetos and nothing else, it's not going to be good for our body. Amen? Yeah, it's just like not going to be good fruit that produced from that. Um, and, and so what he's saying is that he wants us to grow in, in love, in knowledge and every kind of discernment. Love is the plant. N- knowledge of God and every kind of discernment is the soil, the mix that, that we need in order for our love to really grow. So what does that mean? That means that we need to spend time in God's word. It means we need to spend time in prayer with him. It means we need to spend time around the one in whom we're supposed to know experientially. We have to experience him. We have to set aside time to do this. We have to actually prioritize the Lord in this. And the hope is that we will be able to approve of the things that are superior, that may be pure and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's a good promise. That's a good thing to have as a goal. Where we miss the mark is when we start to elevate something else or someone else above God. And the way that we love, um, love is a difficult thing. Love is hard. Love is difficult. It's not easy. It requires us to, to take account of someone else just as much and even more so than us. And that's not our human tendency. <laughs> that's not where we automatically go. Because we'll go transactional. We'll go hermit. Because we've been wounded. And what God would want for us is to grow in love, in a love that looks like his love. So that's the one thing to focus on in 2022, to to ask God to grow our capacity to love. How do we do that? We spend time in his word. We're obedient to what he says. We're spending time in prayer. And we prioritize him above all else. That may mean some adjustments are needing to be made. But I just want to ask you the question. Think about this. How would your life be different if God increased your capacity to love? How would your life be different if God increased your capacity to love? All of us have a capacity. It's like a muscle. We've got to work it. How would your life be different if God increased your capacity to love? I think I don't know exactly all the particulars, but I knew some, do know some big things. You'd be more loving. Wow. 
You'd be more loving. You'd be more thoughtful. Because if, you, if your love would grow in this kind of way, then you'd really have to wrestle with how to love someone. Like that would be a thought that you would have. Not just re- reacting to everything that you would deal with in life. You would have to actually think through, how can I love someone? How can I love this person like Jesus loves me in this moment? And, and it's going to be difficult, especially with the difficult people. And it would result in you being more committed. More committed to Jesus, more committed to having your life be oriented around him. How would your life be different if God increased your capacity to love? I think it'd be a worthwhile endeavor to go down. Um, so this is what we're going to do as, as uh, we close out week three of prayer and fasting. This is what I'm going to invite you to. You, you get to choose. I'm, I'm not going to like show up at your house and make sure that you're doing this or something. That'd be weird. Uh, if you want me to, let me know. I can't, you know, it's fine. Yeah, accountability partner, you know. This is what we're going to do. This is what I'm inviting you to. To fast from food. We're actually doing some food fasting this time. To fast from food for God's work in and through you and his people. So a very practical way to do this is you fast from food for a certain amount of time. I'll talk about that in a second. And you're asking God, God, please increase my capacity to love. And please increase these people's capacity to love. Look, y'all, just take a minute. Look around. Just look around, like, to the people in the room. Like, like actually look at people. Don't just do this. You know, we're not doing, like, some tie bow thing, you know. Um, you see the people around you? If they're in Christ, they're your brothers and sisters in Christ. Whether you know them deeply or not. Let's pray for each other. Paul's prayer was for the church at large. So that means he was praying for the individual and, and the group as a body. I'd invite us to do the same thing. So what this could mean is maybe you take one meal on one day and you don't eat that food. And instead, you use that time when you're supposed to be eating, you spend time in prayer. It's like level one. Or... You could choose a whole 24-hour period of time where you just say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set aside this time and you have a conversation with him about it and tell him what your plan is, okay? Ask him for guidance and then tell him, hey, this is what I'm committing to, Lord. Um, on this day, from this time to this time, I'm not going to eat. And, and what I'm asking you, God, to do is to grow my capacity to love, help me to focus more on you and to grow uh, my church body, my church family, everyone who's a part of that, to grow their capacity to love as well. Um, Or you could do a couple of days. You could do three. Just just keep in mind this. When you are fasting from food, just a very practical thing, drink lots of water, please. Okay? Drink lots of water. It's not a time to be, you know, just chugging Mountain Dew. You know, I don't want to be getting a call from the the hospital and be like, hey, such and such is here because they didn't eat and they just chugged Mountain Dew and now they're dehydrated. Uh, can you come pray for them? Like, I'll come pray for you. You just invite me to coffee. We, you know, we don't have to do that. Uh, just choose. What, what is it that you're going to do? Fast from food for asking God to do a work in you and through you and in and through your church family. Um, just a, another quick pointer. Uh, there was a time when I did a three-day fast, and I, I was just not smart. 
and I ended the fast. You have to like think about how you're going to end the fast, you know, how you're going to break it and start eating. Um, I don't recommend your first meal after a three-day fast being Taco Bell. Okay? Just learn from my mistakes. Okay? <laughs> how would your life be different if God increased your capacity to love? Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for inviting us to know you deeply. God, I think all of us would admit that if we could write the script, we would be more loving people. We would have a greater capacity to love, especially in the moments and the times when we're in a rut, when we're dealing with stuff ourselves. And the last thing we want to do is to focus on someone else because just things feel off for us. But God, like the psalmist, would would go to you and, and admit and be very honest with you about how they're feeling. God, would you help us to do that too? Help us to also just end in a place of trust that maybe that maybe this rut, maybe this the season is part of the process. God, help us to be focused and desirous of what you would do in us and through us through the stuff we go through. Help us to own our growth. Help us to seek you. God, I pray that out of, out of doing this, that we would cultivate uh, a prayer life that would be rich and meaningful and consistent. Help us to spend time with you, Lord. We know that when we spend time with you, you change us. Help us, Lord Jesus. We love you. We praise you. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.